0: Welcome to the garbage pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and
1: 28. Remanded in custody. There's something been really curious about this broadcast.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 51 of The Garbage Pod. Joining me as usual on the show, we have uh, my regular co-host, Adrie Bullhawk mallows How are you doing, sir?
3: I'm doing very good, thank you, boss. Started with our LFL podcast that's now the official podcast of the league, so doing a, a podcast every week of the season, so... Cheers for all your help with that, as always, sir.
2: It's been an pl- absolute pleasure. It's um, knowing that we've we've got all these athletes on board uh, each week. It's uh, it's been brilliant. Uh, I think so far the, the my favourite guest that you've had on there is um, Coach Dane Robinson. <laughs> He's a legend. I think
3: absolutely. Do you know what? And it's one of the nicest guys I think we've spoken to. And even speaking to him, both sort of on and off the show, you can tell how much he cares about the league. And about the players and that's one thing i absolutely respect and um yeah i got a lot of time for him and hopefully get to meet him and um, soon if atlanta get to the legends cup final i'm sure i will meet him
2: yeah it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, season this year with the the amount of games that are going to be played in um in a short amount of time as well some of them
3: yeah absolutely i mean like some of the back-to-back games we've got seattle versus la this friday for example and then the following Saturday. Um, They have the return leg in Los Angeles, so we've got the
2: one one coming up in August where um, Las Vegas Sin play Seattle, and then five days later they're playing Seattle again.
3: Uh, Is that where we have our span of sort of three games in eight days?
2: That'll be the one.
3: (laughs) ah right yeah excellent but yeah I mean stuff like that it's only great for the sport isn't it and great for the rivalries as well to not have much time in between the games and obviously typical that you would bring up your team the Las Vegas in there <laughs> as
2: if you wouldn't if it was on the other foot
3: <laughs> yeah you mean by mentioning LA like I just did
2: uh, like you do <laughs> all the time and when you're in the uh, your, your other podcast spitball you, you never fail to uh, shoehorn the uh, Buffalo Bills in whenever you can
3: I don't know what you're talking about I plead the fifth <laughs>
2: Anyway, yeah, so there'll be links to um, to the LFL Talk podcast in the in the show notes as always, and um, we're not on our own tonight on the show. We have a guest you might be familiar with his voice if you listen to our other podcast TGP Nominal. He's my co-host on there, um, and he also uh, hosts his own podcast, which we'll talk to him about in a moment yeah so we have on the line the one and only john burger how are you doing sir uh,
4: now hold on so you guys are following the nfl and you actually use the phrase i'm taking the fifth uh <laughs> pleading the fifth
3: pleading yeah the absolutely fifth?
4: You, I, really <laughs> yep
3: <laughs> my client pleads the right to the fifth amendment <laughs> we're
4: we're taking
3: over again
2: yeah yep. we, we've, we've already had this discussion haven't we john about The new
4: romans yeah the new romans be, be
2: ah! becoming the uh 51st state well, wait, wait
4: a minute if we're the new roman empire we're all the orgies and you know public baths and so forth i'm gonna go with uh somewhere in the south like tennessee maybe i don't know i mean the the west coast is more that's more their kind of thing Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh You're talking Tennessee and you're getting into the Bible Belt Yeah, we're not talking orgies and stuff Mm-mm. like that It's just not happening Not that
3: they would have you know of Well, point
4: taken <laughs> I,
2: I, I know they do refer to Georgia as the Dirty South But, you know
3: <laughs> Is that where the Dirty Bird thing comes from? Or
4: it's not just a dance or a touchdown celebration? <laughs> Still surprised to hear NFL Coming from coming from the UK That's, Wow
2: Well we, we do follow it Big time in the UK We do have The, the, the big fan days here We do have The, uh, the international series games So yeah we, we do follow it Quite big
4: Fair enough Unlike us in soccer Unless it involves You know uh, Bad corporate officials Then for some reason The United States Has to get involved I don't understand that In the least Yeah l-
2: l- Less said about FIFA The, b- the better Yeah know. Right? <laughs> <well, whatever. laughs>
3: yeah we could spend A long time Talking about how corrupt They've been for years isn't it because the uh, like the transactions apparently happened whilst in the u.s or something along those lines i think that's why the the u.s have got involved and want them
4: to be extradited i get i'm i'm guessing that the u.s just wants to hold wants to host a world cup in the next few years and this is their way of trying to pull some weight or something i don't know i saw that they're being extradited to the u.s what do we care about fifa
3: True, yeah, not many people do, but again, that that could be a a whole other show talking about I hate the step ladder and the way things are run at FIFA. Fair enough.
2: Good old step ladder. Um, Yeah, step ladder. (laughs) (laughs) So, John, your podcast.
4: It is basically movies, home theater, and anything related. A little bit of video gaming every now and then, but the important thing about it is that it's by the average Joe for the average Joe. I'm, you know, it, it's not one of those super techy detailed podcasts about, oh, you know, calibrating your home theater system using the latest, you know, five hundred dollar technological gizwiz, blah 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 blah. That it's not that. It's not Hollywood Insider talking about, well, yes, I know this screenwriter and I was talking to him about this, that, or the other thing. You know, it, it's just. The Average Joe for The Average Joe.
2: It's it's a really good podcast, actually, because the actual research you, you, you do into it, It's there's a lot there. Where you've, you've only got to look at the show notes. <laughs> there's pages of it sometimes.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's just every time I'm done doing a show and I'm thinking, God, that show was way too long. And then the next podcast is the same length. And then the next one is the same length. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's just I keep finding all these things that I think should be of interest and I just go with it. Tell us a little bit
2: about the um the theme tune cuz you've got a quite a special tune there, haven't you?
4: Yeah, regrettably they're not popular over here in the states, but I know mean, they're they're far more popular over there, uh, Poets of the Fall. Yeah. It's out of Finland. It was uh, just one of those deals where I just became a real big fan of them. Uh, because they did the theme song to Max Payne 2, and I fell in love with it. So I did a little bit of research to find out who is this group, and uh, found their website, loved their music, just got really involved in it. This is when I was thinking of doing a show. That would be a great intro song. And I contacted the band, and I said, look, I know that you guys don't publish in the U.S., so I don't know how copyright is involved, uh, but yet I don't want to just use the music willy-nilly... You know, that sort of thing. And uh, there's this real long diatribe of, you know, trying to do the right thing, but yet what do you want me to do and so forth. And I got a message back from them saying, you know, it, it's clear that you thought this out and that you're trying to do the right thing. So you are free to use our music. All we ask is that if you get really popular, that we renegotiate that. <laughs> I said, I'm fine with that. So and my show's not popular, so I don't have to worry about that right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but it, it is a good podcast, John. It really is because uh, it's straight from the heart as well. It's it's uh, a lot of it how you th- feel well, about it. Only because I
4: go into a rant every other show.
2: Where well, <laughs> is that occasionally? <laughs> you uh, actually, yeah. going, going back to the football thing, you you did a really good one about the Super Bowl. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I
4: I just don't get it. I don't get sports.
2: Um, I actually agreed with you on certain certain points, because you were talking about uh, the people that um, just sit there doing a pretty much a running commentary of what's going
4: on on the screen. And he said, you know, just watch the game. You oh, my, oh, you mean like on Twitter and Facebook? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, so I don't have to deal with the Super Bowl. You guys are supposed to be watching this. If I wanted to know about the Super Bowl, I would watch it. <laughs> oh, so frustrating!
2: And then, and then it was the fact that these guys have got more important things to be doing than looking at your tweets. They're playing a game, so they're not even going to be
4: Real, interested yeah, yeah. in what you've got the to say. Curse out the players and the refs online, like really? You know they, they're not interested. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh yeah. well. so the the players getting abused actually on on social media because although they obviously don't see it during the game, it's kind of one of my sort of pet peeves the way people bombard people for yeah. what is essentially a mistaken it is just a game when you obviously I'm as passionate as the next person but I still have the realism that actually it's a game and if a player on my team does something wrong I'm not going to like take the social media and threaten their life or their family I mean that's just yeah just ridiculous. some of the things you see
4: yeah I just don't don't get that level of fanboyism but yeah oh well
2: you do get to that stage with other things though John I do know that <laughs>
4: That sounds like something that should be
2: elaborated (laughs) Yeah, it's gaming, gaming, video gaming (laughs) Uh.
4: Well, I mean, that's a little bit different Because whenever I rant, especially on Twitter It's usually because the game companies Do actually monitor their feeds uh, it's, It's happened more than once Where I just rant about a game And all of a sudden a developer contacts me through Twitter It's like, whoa, I didn't even address it to you guys Yeah, there is a little bit more feedback with with the the developers. I must admit, um, I have
2: had that in the past where they must have something flagged up for certain words Mm -hmm. uh, and it goes through to their social media department and they respond back. I mean, I've had it where um, I said something like, oh, damn, I've run out of milk and I've got to go down the shop and get some. and I get a tweet from this company called Cravendale, who, who produce milk in the UK, saying, Here's um, ah. a, a voucher for 50p off. You know, it's that kind of thing. Nice. <laughs>
3: yeah. I wonder if they do that all the time. Let's just keep tweeting that we're out of milk. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But you do get it. I mean, one of the funniest ones, and it's, it's obviously a bot that's that's done it. Um, uh, if you ever go on to Twitter and put in anything about the Spanish Inquisition, <laughs> you oh, will Bobby get yeah. you you will get um, Cardinal Biggles. There is a mm-hmm. bot on there called Cardinal Biggles, who actually says no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Really funny stuff.
4: Even in video games, too. mention one character from Borderlands called Claptrap, and all of a sudden, a Claptrap bot responds to you. Um,
2: I, one of my one of my listeners, um, uh, a guy called Mark Sheldon, um, I actually sent a response to him. Uh, he was saying good things about the show, and I responded to to him. And um, one of these bots actually responded saying that it had uh, come from Doctor Sheldon Cooper. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <was, laughs> strange
4: well you know twitter's public a lot of people don't seem to realize that either <laughs> yeah you do put
2: some stupid things on there um i mean i've seen stories about people that have got sacked uh from their jobs for uh, uh saying things and their boss has been reading whatever on facebook yep. or twitter but uh, i don't think you should get fired for something that you said out of work to be honest
4: well, let's just say something like I hate where I work. Well, <laughs> yeah. Could be an issue.
2: <laughs> but generally, I mean, what happens in the office stays in the office, you know.
1: Crichton, what are you doing, man?
4: Oh, sir, I'm listening to The Garbage Pod. It's a podcast I found in the podosphere.
2: So, before we go on with the main news, I thought we'd talk a little bit about an event that happened last weekend, which was Eurovision. Now, I um, watch Eurovision most years, and um, Adria occasionally. We, we have covered it on the show a, a couple of years back, and um, we tried to predict what we thought was going to win. We actually picked out some really good songs, but they didn't do very well. I, I know. I've noticed it over the last couple of years that John, you uh, watch Eurovision, which is really unusual from someone in the states.
4: I do. I know. <laughs> I'm probably one of I don't know four people in the I don't, know. <laughs> but yeah, I watch Eurovision. And what is your take on it? I, I like it. I think it's an interesting concept. I can't really see it working. You know, states of vision or whatever, you know, or each of the fifty states. I can't really see that, but. I, I just think it's a cool idea You know, it's sort of like a musical Olympics You know, everyone get together try, In theory, try to keep politics out of it Although you see from voting that that generally doesn't happen um, But it's just, I just think it's cool You know, it's only a few hours long, the final So it, it, it's just neat to see it, it
2: gets longer every year now Because um, you've also got the semifinals as well Which is over two halves um, one on the Tuesday, one on the Thursday and then you have the final on the Saturday yeah. um, and the, how they've done that they've done it in such a way that certain countries can't vote for other countries in one stage but they can in the other so that some of these what you might call the, the ex-Soviet bloc can't mm-hmm. vote for each other and, and things it's, it's, um, it does kind of work out and when by the time you get to the final it's, it's a kind of lev- level playing field Um, it's very very clever how they've worked out the logistics of it all but you you can always tell the countries that want to take part but they don't necessarily want to win because it's going to cost a lot of money to host it the next year (laughs) Uh, there was a point where you know when ireland were having a few financial issues um, they didn't particularly want to host it so uh, they brought in a couple of lads that had been on our our version of the X Factor called Jedwood um, uh, identical twins and um, yeah they put them up for Eurovision Um,
4: I I will admit I did find it very interesting that the UK's group was basically based on the American jazz era
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah now it's, it's quite controversial because the UK public don't at the moment don't have any say in what gets selected to go in for Eurovision. Uh, over the last probably four years, I think it is, four or five years, they've stopped having a UK public vote. Um, somebody at the BBC makes the decision. Why? Well, they say because the British public, when they vote in mass... Or on mass, um, they vote stupidly. But
4: oh, and this choice for this past Eurovision <laughs> was brilliant.
2: <laughs> I mean, I was rooting for them because one of the people on there were local. They're from Welling Garden City, so it's just up the road here. But um, <laughs> yeah,
4: I mean, it wasn't, don't get me wrong; it wasn't a bad act. There were worse acts on Eurovision, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, there was a lot. It's of kind of odd that the public can't choose.
2: The last time I. Th- think people were able to vote for it the song that went into the to the finals was written by andrew lloyd webber um so (laughs) you you just had to select the artist that was going to sing the song for the country and he was going to do the rest and it actually came third i think so it was it was pretty good um um, and she went off to join a uh, a girl band called the sugar babes (laughs)
3: All Which games. one of the sugar babes was that?
2: Jade, Ewan. one of the... Was she
3: one of the ones that got put in after all of the others left?
2: Yeah, she was one of the new ones.
3: Ah, uh, right, that probably was one of the new ones. But yeah, they've had so many new ones.
2: Yeah, this is a girl band that's probably had more band members than I don't know what, really. That's... Number
3: ones. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Over the years, they've had some strange stuff on there. I mean, I think... The one that won it this year was quite a good choice. It's actually uh, in the uh, midweek chart in the UK. It's, got, it's gone to number five in the in the UK uh, chart. So it might even be number one by the weekend. It was Sweden that won it on the track called Heroes, which it was a dance record. So that's probably why it's popular across Europe. Um, but I think the main reason why it did well was not necessarily the song but the the staging D- you you must have saw that john it was pretty clever how they did it with the uh, animation and how he was oh yeah reacting that, that's why i said
4: that, that was it was actually a really it was a really a cool presentation but as i say it's not
2: all based on the staging although that really no. did help <laughs> it did, did amazing on there there was some um some strange songs this year as well There's always some strange ones Ones that I thought should have done well That didn't The, uh, the Austrian entry uh, Which was the one where his piano was on fire Yeah, I actually really liked the song I thought it should have, It didn't get any mm-hmm. points at all So I, I thought it should have d- done a lot better than that um, the, the other strange thing this year Was that Australia <laughs> Was in Eurovision What
4: was that all about? Um, well it's the Diamond
2: Jubilee Of Eurovision this year, uh, 60th anniversary, and Australia are very, very Eurovision friendly. So they thought they'd bring an act in uh, from an outside to um, just to appear for this one year. Now people were going, "Well, what happens if they win?" That's what I was wondering. Well, what? How it worked was if Australia had won. Australia get to choose the city That hosts it next year Oh that's cool The other reason why Australia is involved Is that um, there is a very Shall we say A very big rainbow community In in Mm. Australia Right it's, it's a bit like saying, all right, shall we get San Francisco to appear on Eurovision? <laughs>
4: uh, I, I did find it a little bit ironic how Russia's song was about a million voices, and it was I thought it was a really great song, but the only other thing that went through my head was, yeah, but too bad in Russia those million voices have to be, you know, straight. Yeah.
2: I don't know if you heard about this, John, but they had a special noise suppression thing going through the crowd so that if there were any boos being made, by the crowd when Russia were on stage that you couldn't really hear it. It brought out the cheers rather than the boos. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, but some of them God. came through. I could still hear some of the boos that were coming in when Russia were on stage.
3: I uh, just want to come back to this fact that obviously the the guy at the BBC thinks we're we're all too stupid to to vote for Eurovision. Uh, but I just want to say... We're too stupid to vote for a song to represent our country, but um, obviously we all vote in the general election, so is he saying we're not stupid enough to vote for who runs the country, or is he saying that we're still stupid when we do that?
2: Well, we pretty much did make the
4: wrong decision, but never mind. Um, <laughs> oh, keep in mind, the last thing that politicians want is an intelligent, informed public, because then they know they're going to get voted out.
3: <laughs> this yeah, is there, very isn't, uh, there isn't a politician
4: in the land that would stand a chance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think the world... As God knows we certainly don't have a lot of uh, you know really smart people here.
2: I can just imagine the, the, the next election being a kind of a, a Simon Cowell fueled um <laughs> <laughs> voting <laughs> frenzy.
4: Politician death match
3: <laughs> Oh well that should be a real thing. <laughs> we could have just invented another new sport.
2: If Mr Cameron stands down, and it could be Boris in charge of the country, if it was a a politician deathmatch, he'd probably kill himself by accident. (laughs)
4: <laughs> see over here, we'd love it. I mean, you know, this is America. Give us some violence, and we're happy. You know, so you know, <laughs> here, representing the you know the, the for Congress for North Carolina, we have in this corner. I could see Americans loving that.
2: <laughs> it brings that a new meaning it. to the, the the battle bus, doesn't it? Um, it's, it's we, we when the um, I don't know if it's the same in the states. We have these big uh, buses uh, coaches that uh, uh, the. Different parties tour around it, and they. Oh my god! Yeah, oh, that,
4: that's huge here.
2: Um, and in the UK, they call them battle buses.
4: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Although when they actually step out, they don't look like they're ready for a battle. That's for sure. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Nick Clegg, who was the uh, the Liberal Democrat leader. Who, um, yeah.
3: Cost them the election. Well, cost them about fifty seats.
2: <laughs> so Scotland are still trying to push for independence, even though they voted against independence
3: well they're not though that's the thing that her mission has always been that they ha- the Scottish have more say in in Parliament because they don't want to be a separate country but they want Parliament they want to have a bigger representation in Parliament don't they say so, mm. um, that's essentially um, what she's often they've got it with the 52 seats was it 56
2: 56 seats one of, one of the, their new MPs is only 20 years old and a student
4: wow that's incredible. Really? Yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> but she really knows how to put the word across to people, though.
4: I've heard stories of we've had mayors for various, you know, small towns in here that have been teenagers. Really? Yeah. No, oh, wow. not, not major cities, you know. Just, but every, just about every town has a mayor. Every little mu- municipality, whether it's a hundred people or a thousand or a million. And there have actually been, you know, mayors who were teenagers that were voted in Wowzers I remember when Richard Votes came over here and he was talking about this For you guys, mayor is kind of a big deal, a big show and so forth Here, mayors are just regular citizens just doing mayor work
3: Yeah, they're below governors, obviously, aren't they?
4: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah the governors manage the states And then the mayors are just each individual town Because I remember when... when uh, Richard and Paul came over here. I took them over to to uh, meet the mayor of a town over here called Mechanicsburg and he was shocked because the mayor owns the local hardware store and he was dressed in you know jeans, t-shirt just and just just talking like they were at the bar. Sorry, well, at the pub. They, and from what Richard was just like this is amazing because when the mayor does something they've got the regalia and they've got the hat and All of that. So we kind of have a different view on mayors over here than you guys do.
2: Mayors here, they they do generally dress normally unless there is an official engagement and then they dress up with a chain and everything else. Um, But any other time, they're just normal guys, you know. Um, They have got other jobs as well as being mayor. Some of them, not all of them.
4: I just remember Richard and Paul being just blown away by how average he was.
2: I, th- I think it depends which town or city it is in the UK on depending how um how much pomp and circumstance there is with it all. Uh with some of these smaller places it's not so it's not such a big thing. But when you look at like the lord mayor and because you've got the uh the mayor of London and you've got the lord mayor it's a confusing situation. But uh yeah, it's it is Quite a lot different than how you would do things in the States in, in, in that respect. Right, shall we get on with some uh, some news, fellas?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah, for sure.
2: Right, so we've got some stories each. Not, not all of them necessarily light-hearted, but a little bit more different than you would have in your mainstream news like, i can go with my my first story and it's about another group of people that pretty much haven't got their heads screwed on the Westboro um baptist church oh my god
3: oh see i was reading about them i think i know this, i know where this story's going I, I literally it was one of the stories i <laughs> caught a glance of um, now, just as i was preparing for the they, show
2: They have inadvertently declared its hatred of the Ivory Coast. Um, What? (laughs) It's hilarious. the, The infamous church which pickets the funerals of US soldiers and has a real obsession with homosexuality were up to their tricks again over the weekend the hate speech spouting church took to the streets to picket ireland's historic same-sex marriage referendum results as usual they had posters made up to put their point across but failed to check the colors of the irish flag and printed (laughs) them backwards on their posters so instead of protesting against ireland the fundamentalist sect were accidentally preaching hatred against the Ivory Coast.
4: Okay. <laughs>
2: they later claimed that they had intentionally flipped the tricolor to suggest that it was a country in distress. <coughs> <laughs>
4: huh,
3: sorry.
2: Yeah, especially I kind mean, of they
3: dumb. sound like a mental group anyways, but I mean, I know everyone's entitled to their own opinion. When you start enforcing that on others in the way that they seem to, that's just not Well,
2: yeah, I mean, Christianity is supposed to be spouting love to everybody and 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 whatnot, but they just seem to hate everybody, and I'm just in their way of looking at things when they go up to the Pearly Gates and uh, they check their names down the list and go, "Nope, you're yeah. not coming in these gates, you're going downstairs."
3: It'll Saint- just be the. Um, it'll be like in South Park, the movie, won't it? They'll go up there like Kenny does, and then
4: all of a sudden it'll just go.
3: Eh, Little eh, eh. boy, you're going to hell. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Saint Peter's just going to laugh, say, ha, "You're kidding, right?" <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy.
3: I just, I, I don't get them. I only read one article, and all, even just from reading that, I was like, "Oh my word."
4: Yeah, we've we've had to deal with them far longer than we should have over here. Yeah, that's kind
3: of their extremists, are not they? That's Oh, that's absolutely. Oh, the best yeah, totally.
4: to... they they're the total fringe. We we've had a yeah. few
2: uh, documentaries about them in the UK. We've had a guy called uh, he's uh Louis Ferreau, or Louis Ferreux, who um he's a really strange guy when it comes to interviewing people. He's one of these guys that people don't realize that they're letting out as more information than they should with him. He's he's one of those kind of guys, a bit like Columbo, you know. <laughs> Huh. You don't realize oh, that. Yeah,
3: he... love, like, <laughs> the legend. Just just one more thing.
4: <laughs> Those are some great shoes you got there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's, nice, he's... nice impression there, John, as well. Okay. He, I'm uh, actually kind of surprised you guys know about that. What, that's obscure even over here. What, Colombo <laughs> I mean, well, you know maybe for people you know, my age and so forth, probably not. But the younger generations, Pfft, Columbo, who's that?
2: There's a reference uh, to him uh, in, um, in Red Dwarf, actually, and I said, well, who was Columbo? And I said, he's the guy with the dirty Mac who um, discovered America, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry, you've, you've just prompted me on to um, just another, about people getting things completely mixed up. Thousands of children think ketchup comes from strawberries.
2: Okay. This is why we need <laughs> Jamie Oliver.
3: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is brilliant. Like Tomato may be a fruit, but it seems thousands of children actually believe ketchup comes from strawberries. Some 38% of the youngsters in London made the mix up, three times as many as the national average. Alarmingly, high numbers of children do not understand where vegetables come from. So these are inner-city the um, kids, aren't they? Yeah, uh, Yeah, but the, the, the next line is probably one of the best things that I've read. <laughs> A fifth believe Oregano is an actor, while 24% of boys believe it is a footballer.
2: That reminds me of another thing. Who is it said? <laughs> there was a joke someone, someone said, uh, Ariola. Um, <laughs> didn't he used to play for Inter Milan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
3: That's just. I, when I read it, I couldn't believe it.
2: But it says on the bottle, tomato. Or tomato. Ketchup.
4: (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can say tomato. It doesn't offend me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The world series of ketchup. (laughs) But
4: it's got Um,
2: pictures of them on the bottle.
3: Yeah, but obviously they think they're strawberries, not tomatoes.
2: Although the idea... You
3: know, because they look a lot alike.
2: Strawberry ketchup. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I might have to Um, experiment.
3: Look. It just, yeah, don't don't ask me, don't ask me why. <laughs> I'm just reading the news, man. <laughs> I was, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I thought, totally nice it was for that's mental.
2: I mean, uh, I know a lot of kids don't realise that milk comes from cows. Um, but the thing that gets me is, how did they come up with that? How did they find out that, <laughs> let's um, take the milk from a cow and um, see what we can do with it, you know? <laughs> it's... Seems a bit odd, but yeah. It's, yeah. it's the same with with everything though, anything to do with cooking, mostly it's it's been invented by accident. I'm sure that cooking was invented by accident. They sort of like dropped something in the fire and went, Oh hang on a minute. I'm yeah. not I'm not wasting that. I spent all day hunting that. And uh, got it out of the embers and went, actually this tastes quite good.
3: <laughs> it was probably more because of man's obsession with fire. They were like, I just killed, now I build fire.
0: Ooh.
3: <laughs>
4: Fire and food. Did you ever see a movie? In fact, it starred Ringo Starr called Caveman. It's hysterical. It's totally B-movie. Okay, It's just stupid. It's meant to be totally stupid fun. But they cover a lot of that stuff, like how fire was was discovered and how they did the first cooked animal. It was uh, Dennis Dennis Quaid, Ringo Starr, um, Shelley Long. All right. Some big names then. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's totally stupid fun. You you go in there expecting no intelligence, but it's a fun movie.
2: <laughs> I mean, one of the things that we have in the UK is a, a, dessert, a dessert called Eton Mess, um, which I'm sure that it, originally it was a pavlova that um, one of the waiting staff dropped on the floor and just scooped it up, put it back in the bowl and said, yeah, this is your dessert. And then it went from there, because basically what it is is meringue with fruits and cream, which is basically what a pavlova is, but all crushed up and stuck in a bowl.
4: Um, yeah, but you guys also have a dessert called Spotted Dick. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Everyone loves Spotted Dick. <laughs>
2: So I had a discussion a about this the other day, actually. Somebody <laughs> was going, oh, yeah, spotty dick were custard. And somebody said, surely you should put cream on that. <laughs> Some, yeah, the other one, I mean, toad in the hole. <laughs> Which is a, another special. <laughs> or frog in a ditch, as I like to call it. Why
3: on earth do you call it frog in a ditch? Just to be ironic or something like that? Yeah, just like to be that. ironic.
2: Toad in the hole, frog in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Frog few... in
3: a ditch is probably a, d- uh, a dessert in France.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I find ironic, though, about s- like stuff like spotted dick, that it's actually manufactured by an American company. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, the tin variety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Really? Heinz, H- just yeah.
4: okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's um, even our chocolate is now, isn't it? With Cadbury's being taken over by Kraft.
4: So. Oh God! Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh. And some of the crap that Hershey's pulling over here, it's just, you guys, really? I, I don't know if you heard, but I mean, Hershey is the licensee for a number of, well, I mean, basically anything that's Cadbury over here in the States is made by Hershey. And yeah, pretty much. They, well, they've had that going on for oh, ever since I was a kid. And other things that, uh, like certain Nestle product or well, what are now Nestle products, like Kit Kats, Rolos, stuff like that. Those were licensed by Hershey as well, and then Nestle bought them out, so Hershey still owns the rights to those, and they've actually gone to an importer who was importing that stuff uh, directly from England or from outside the U.S., just for, you know, specialty stores who want to offer the real thing, quote-unquote. And Hershey basically went to them and said, yes, stop that. Really? How is this little importer just bringing in a tiny amount of, of the same kinds of things for, like... You know, expatriates from England who come over here and want a genuine Cadbury, Mm -hmm. you know, this company was providing that sort of thing to regional stores and so forth who'd buy from them. So you want a genuine Cadbury, you could get it. And Hershey basically went to that importer and said, stop, you're infringing, which is just... Mind-blowing. So
2: so all these kind of import shops or stores are going to become defunct?
4: If they relied on that sort of thing, yes. I mean, they could still technically import directly from Canada, but then there's going to be costs associated with that as well. Most of the companies have said, you know what, screw it, we're just gonna, not going to sell anything Hershey now, and I don't blame them.
2: Yeah. I mean, we have stores here that sell um, a lot of American products. I actually buy from a company online that um, I get a lot of American stuff from. I was got got my, my last delivery of Moon Pies the other week. Um. Oh, my God, you're on the Moon Pies. Okay.
3: <laughs> moon Pies and Mountain Dew, that's what he loves. Oh, oh yeah,
4: I so love my Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah,
3: likewise. Like, when they bought out the Energy version, I thought, you need an Energy version of Mountain Dew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I used to love the, the tagline that you used to have on... Um, uh, wallpaper, desktop wallpapers for um, for your computer. There was uh, Mountain Dew sleepers for the week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was like the that was about sort of what, ten years ago when I was out in the the states. Like that was when Mountain Dew actually was Mountain Dew. Mm. Like you drink it and get a buzz. I think it seems a lot it seems a lot softer now. It doesn't seem to have the same kind of punch.
2: Um, we, we're not allowed to actually get the stuff from America anymore. Uh, we can get we can get stuff that's similar, but it actually comes from Poland. Believe it or not, uh,
4: that, that's that's because for whatever reason, American soda manufacturers have they have this love affair with a chemical called brominated vegetable oil, mm-hmm. and a lot of countries outside the U.S. have said that is not safe to ingest. Whereas the FDA over here has said, well, no, in small amounts it's fine. So. It, it kind of acts as a suspension or as a, as a preservative for the soda, So the soda manufacturers just keep using it. And other countries have said, nope, keep it out of our place. Strange, so- strange
2: thing is we can buy um, – if you go to – there's a place in High Wycombe. I've, I've told you about it before, John, actually, the uh, the Bluegrass um, barbecue place. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy American-style sodas there, and they are – proper ones. It's the the ones where you get twenty five cents back on a bottle, you know, it's Oh <laughs> wow. That kind of stuff. There Um, is
4: a niche market here for those sorts of things. Even if you go into convenience stores, you will see uh, there's just been a resurgence of the old glass bottles (laughs) and using sugar, genuine sugar, instead of that high fructose corn syrup crap that most of them use. So there has been a resurgence of that. So I'm not surprised to see that some of those have trickled their way over there.
2: Because it's like, uh, what is it, AW root beer, is it?
4: Oh, W. yep. That's good
2: stuff. Yeah, that's the kind of thing they sell
4: there. So it's, um, it's, you know... Pretty authentic. Actually, I'm kind of, I thought root beer was one of those things that most Brits are like, ew. Um, yeah, um, we did
2: sell it, we did sell it, <laughs> yeah, did I'm, sell I'm it in really McDonald's. I'm
4: not really a fan myself, to be fair.
2: To me, it tastes like that mouthwash stuff you get at the dentist.
4: <laughs> that seems to be the common thing, but I, <laughs> I love the stuff. I love A&W, it's one of the better ones.
2: We, we did sell it in, in McDonald's for a while. I can remember in the 90s, we, we had uh, root beer at McDonald's, but it wasn't that popular.
4: <laughs> i'm just thinking you know what i'm really in the wrong business when five dollars worth of plastic can yield 250 dollars uh 250 purchase in the store you know lego is just raking in the money
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah but the one that i've got is one of the most i don't want to say expensive but collectible pieces is a millennium falcon that's a total of 5,195 pieces. Wow. So, fi- so just about 5,200 pieces for this thing. Well, that's the official one, and it originally sold for $500. And nowadays you can find it on eBay with collectors for like $2,000, $2,500. Mm-hmm. But a group over in, I, b- I believe it was Singapore, it was one of those you know, countries from that area, they decided to one-up Lego. And they made their own custom one. It was a group called Titan Creations, 10,000 piece Millennium Falcon that also has various scenes from the movie inside of it. Wow. So they custom built this thing. It's, they lit it up as well. You know, the thrusters and all of that. So they've got LED strips and just various scenes from the movies that take place in the various parts of the Falcon. They replicated it in those various areas. So this thing measures, and I'll, I'll even go metric for you guys, uh, 110 centimeters by 85 centimeters. That's yeah, pretty it's, big. It's big, and they made it specific. Oh, it was Malaysia. There it is. Um, it was made for Legoland Malaysia for the May the 4th celebration. Oh, so well, yeah. Yeah, they, they said they tried to put as many references to the movies inside of it, 10,000 pieces i don't even want to know how much that thing weighed
3: yeah i'm just looking at it now actually it looks absolutely amazing it's Amazing. The, the time and effort that would have gone into that that's just fantastic
4: oh yeah especially when you figure it was custom made
3: yeah definitely wow that's all you can say about something like that it's <laughs> it is, incredible isn't it? yeah
2: now corresponding with that i've got a story about a star wars mad budgie who has his cage mates all in a flap with his R2D2 impressions. <laughs>
0: mm.
5: <laughs>
2: now, Carly Jeffrey uh, says her family got Bluey in uh, to mimic the little robot's bleeps and bloops by playing him sounds from the Star Wars movies. A few days later, her seven year old daughter, who hand raised the bird, reported excitedly that he had started sounding just like R2-D2. But according to Carly, Bluey's feathered threat friends aren't overly <laughs> impressed. She said he has two other budgies in the cage and I think he's driving them crazy. <laughs> oh, my. Um, Bluey was our first budgie and our seven-year-old daughter uh, hand-raised him. He's always been a curious bird. He was really intrigued by our voices and the cockatoos that we have in our garden. Carly says Bluey also enjoys making laser sounds, the R2-D2 scream sound, (laughs) kissing sounds. Uh, There's a clip of um, Bluey that's been posted on YouTube where it's been viewed over 500,000 times. Now, do you want to have a a little listen to what Bluey actually sounds like? That is
4: hysterical, yes. yes.
3: That is amazing. That is awesome.
2: I just get this impression, though, that they've stood there over him with these recordings and just kept him on repeat for two or three days on the trot to try brainwash him into sounding like it.
4: That is hysterical. Oh, and by the way, uh, any fellow Yanks, a budgie is a parakeet. Thank you very much. That's hysterical. (laughs) Yeah, that's quality. And he's even blue and white. I love that.
2: Yeah. So he's he's got the right color scheme for it. Well, can't it's the other way around, but yeah. <laughs>
3: the things people will do with their pets.
2: In July 2014, uh, a guy called Jeremiah Heaton from Virginia uh, was asked by his young daughter Emily, "Would she ever become a princess?" Of course, he answered yes, but afterwards he realized that he just made an empty gesture and uh, he decided to fulfil the promise to Emily and make her an actual princess. After doing research, Jeremiah discovered an uninhabited 800-square-mile patch of land known as Bir Tawil in northern uh, northeastern Africa. To celebrate her seventh birthday, the doting dad had travelled to Bir Tawil to make Emily's dream come true. When he arrived, he planted a flag that his daughter had designed in the ground to claim it as his own. He named the land Kingdom of North Sudan and Emily its princess. Jeremiah insists um, his claim is legitimate and the area lies between Egypt and Sudan. Um, Because of a territorial dispute between the two countries, the land is one of the last unclaimed areas on earth. But that, Jeremiah explains, was only mm-hmm. the beginning. With a whole kingdom at their disposal, the family now had to decide what they wanted to do with it. Fortunately, Princess Emily had a plan. Why don't we grow a garden as big as our country and to feed the people? she suggested. So Jeremiah has now launched an Indiegogo campaign to create the world's first crowd funded nation. ...devoted to researching and developing solutions for our current global food shortages and impending food crisis. He wants $250,000 or £162,000 to help create the world's largest scientific study into better ways of growing and distributing food. For a donation of $25 or £16, you'll be made an honorary princess, prince, knight, duke or duchess of the kingdom and for 100 dollars, £65, pounds, you get a national park created in your name. The campaign so far has raised $5,000, and it has less than 30 days to go, and he still hasn't formalised his claim over the land.
3: Uh... <laughs> yeah, I second that.
4: OK. You know, th- th- actually, that... That whole thing about, hey, I, I planted a flag, therefore it's my country, kind of reminds me of an Eddie Izzard skit.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love that. No flag, no country. No flag, no country. Those are the rules yes. that I just made up, thanks to this gun lent to me by the National Rifle Association.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I love that skit. That's, do you have a flag? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's classic Izzard, that is. And it's great that you appreciate the man as well, actually. That's oh, yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's possibly my favourite comedian I think just because of just the way he presents his live stand-up and how how intelligent it is as well Mm -hmm. and the fact that he just goes off on all these random tangents and somehow comes back to the point he was trying to make it's awesome
2: I mean Eddie Izzard's thinking of going into politics isn't he
3: Um, well he is yeah because he's going to run for London Mayor in 2019 I think isn't it
2: I think it is yeah yeah and I think he will get some votes as well Uh, he's quite popular with the people
4: it doesn't surprise me he's always been very political even on twitter he'd be very political mm-hmm. so yeah no, no big sp- so. and it's not the first time we have another we have a guy over here i can see his face but i can't remember his name and i'm really just dis- you know I'm really discouraged by that but we've got another guy who started as a stand-up comedian and he's now in congress
2: but that doesn't surprise me because you had um oh whole- Jesse Ventura as a governor. Oh, I God, mean... yeah, I forgot
4: about that. <laughs> well, you know, there are uh, just yeah. some things that
3: can't be explained. But did he, did he not do it? He did a reasonable job, though, didn't he, in Minnesota, memory? memory? Yeah.
4: Al Franken, yes. that's the guy. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Be really happy that you guys, or that none of us, are uh, movie watchers in China, because they seem to be having a little spate of... Translation problems with their movies <laughs> It looks like uh, Avengers Age of Ultron Which if you haven't seen it yet It's really freaking good they, they seem to be having a little bit of problem With the translating there Now, The way it works generally is It's not that Disney goes and hires translators It's whoever handles the distribution over in China They hire their own translators uh, Trusting them to do a good job Well, they didn't do too well of a job With Age of Ultron uh, Apparently, several phrases were just not properly translated, with one of saying, Captain America says, I'm home, which was translated to, I'm good. <laughs> uh, a line about having to wait too long was translated as, I am very old. <laughs> uh, another one was, uh, he, he says if you get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. The Chinese translation, run fast if someone tries to kill you. Uh, Another one was, we may not make it out of this, but somehow that became, let's back off now. Uh, And and according to this, um, it it was a guy who speaks English and Chinese, and he was posting on his blog, and he said the woman in front of him was almost crying to the point that she said that she wanted to go home because she couldn't put up with the bad translations anymore.
2: (laughs) That's really bad.
4: (laughs) And, And the thing is, this was apparently translated by... A guy who either did the translations for Guardians of the Galaxy or he was mentored by the guys who did Guardians of the Galaxy, which was also improperly translated because the title for that one became Interplanetary Unusual Attacking Team. I kind of like that.
2: It sounds like something from uh, one of these obscure anime... uh... Yeah,
4: that's true. But that doesn't exactly sound like Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, just just be glad that you're not a, a Chinese movie goer who doesn't understand English. I've got a story here
2: that would have Colonel Sanders rolling in his grave. A KFC customer was told by a restaurant that he couldn't have the wet hand wipes because they're soaked in alcohol and might offend Muslim customers. The customer at KFC, located in one of the UK restaurants, designated as a halal-only branch, is pretty upset about the incident, according to a report in the UK Times. Graham Noakes said he was astonished when staff at the fast food chain outlet refused to give him a handy wipe because it was against its halal policy. Staff said this was because wipes are soaked in alcohol-infused liquid, um, alcohol is forbidden in the Quran uh, Graham said they told me it might offend other customers he added I've never experienced oh. anything like this before and I couldn't believe what I was hearing why wouldn't I be allowed a wipe from my hands they use these kind of wipes in hospital what happens when we start being told we can't have wipes there a KFC spokesman said that the company had been running halal only trials since 2010 in areas where there had been demands from the customers, it is thought that the busy outlet is waiting for a backup stock of alcohol-free wipes, uh, which will be lemon-based. The spokesman said, wherever possible, we have taken our halal restaurants close to non-halal restaurants to cater for all of our customers' needs. Suleiman Nagdi, a spokesman for the Federation of Muslim Organizations, described the policy as bizarre. So this is an actual Muslim saying that it's stupid. He said, I know alcohol is prohibited in the Muslim community, but I don't understand why you can't use hand wipes. There's nothing wrong with it. Using alcohol means you're going to consume it. You're not going to consume a handy wipe. (laughs) He said such decisions potentially provoke some people to start lashing out at the Muslim community. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never come across anything like this before. KFC have made a commercial decision to do this, and now the Muslim community will fight this backlash, he said. In a second statement, KFC said our alcohol-based hand wipes are approved for use in all of our restaurants, including those that are a part of the Halal trial. There was a misunderstanding with that local store in question but the wipes are now being used again and we are for, uh, very sorry for the customer's experience. <laughs> it's, that,
4: it's, that's that's another one which are just like oh huh <laughs>
2: It's a bit like saying to someone, oh, yeah, these bacon-flavoured um, crisps, or they don't have any bacon in them whatsoever. It's flavourings. So even if you were a vegetarian or a Muslim or, or whatever, you can still eat them. <laughs> it's just flavouring.
4: Well, even at that, alcohol is used in so much preparation, mm. you know, for sterilisation and stuff. Like you said, like hospitals, but even in, in the food industry. So it just... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely the best art
3: just yet. Okay. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that, yeah, Okay. That's almost as good as, as the things that we see every now and then happening over here, because we actually do have a legitimate $2 bill. You, mm-hmm. very, you see it very rarely. I have one. Oh, there you go. But So, yeah, we, we have $2 bills, and it's funny to see the articles of people who had the police called on them by stores who say that they were trying to pass a counterfeit bill because there is no such thing as a $2 bill.
2: I tell you what is funny with that. You go to a shop with, in the in in England with a Scottish £20 note or a Scottish banknote, and they look at you as though you're alien, because the Scottish have completely different banknotes to what they do in England.
4: Uh, so even if, you, even if you're going from England to Scotland and so forth, you have to actually have a currency exchange?
2: No, no, you can uh, use... No, you it, can if use, you
4: withdraw money up there, then
3: you'll get a Scottish £10 note as opposed to an English one. Oh, okay.
2: But when you try and use it in, in England, uh, they look at you really funny. You want to say, well, What's this? And you're like, Well, it's got the Queen's head on it. You can spend it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, can I bring some of my Canadian dollars over?
2: I was thinking that myself, actually. <laughs>
3: um, no, we don't accept the loony. <laughs> 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 Although you wouldn't think that looking at Parliament.
2: Well, hey. Anywho.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: A farmer has flooded the home of the children's TV favourites, the Teletubbies, because she was sick of tourists trespassing on her land in in Wimstone in in Warwickshire. The hill house used by Dipsy, La La, Tinky Winky and Poe in the CBeebies show has been turned into a pond by the farmer. Uh, when the BAFTA-winning show, which was shot on the farm from 1997 to 2001, when it was axed, uh, the television set was removed, just leaving a gentle grassy slope. But Teletubbies fans were kept trespassing on the on the hill until the owner, Rosemary Hardin, moved in the diggers and turned the site into a pond. People were jumping fences and crossing cattle fields said the 63-year-old who runs the aquatic shop at the countryside location. Uh, to be honest, we're pleased to see the back of it. It's not the first time something like this has happened. Do Do you guys know a new place in Stratford-upon-Avon?
4: No, but I do know of no. the Teletubbies. <laughs> <sighs>
2: um, new place in Stratford-upon-Avon was William Shakespeare's final home. Uh, It's where he's believed to have written some of his last works, such as The Tempest, where he died in 1616. You would have thought it was uh, being a building of such cultural and historical importance. It would have been the definition of a national treasure. This was not an opinion shared by the Reverend Francis Gastrel, who bought the house in 1753 but quickly got irritated by the tourists the wanting to see the home of William Shakespeare. I mean, that's in 1753, tourists. <laughs> <laughs> Architectural historian Gavin Stamps said he also has said to uh, be in a dispute over taxes with the local officials. Well, I've I've heard about this. He, um, he had this place in Stratford-upon-Avon as kind of like a holiday home and didn't feel that he should be paying any taxes on it because he was only there a few weeks of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Gastrol was already in the town's bad books for chopping down a mulberry tree planted by Shakespeare uh, in in the garden outside. Then, in an extraordinary fit of spite, he demolished the whole house in 1759 just to stop tourists from coming. It was never rebuilt, and only the foundations remain. The people of Stratford upon Avon were horrified, and Gastro become so unpopular that he eventually had to move out of the town. I'd imagine he would have got lynched. <laughs> but that's taking it to the extreme.
4: Yeah, that's nuts. But even with the Teletubbies, okay, it's just it's a it's a farmland area, fine. But if you're not really using it for that, why not just see if there's a way to you know charge a pound or two to let people on? Yeah, it could have made you know, some try m- to turn it your favour instead of being like, oh, these people are trespassing. It's like, why not just say, mm, well, maybe there's a minor business opportunity here.
2: Make some money, because farming... I mean, these days, I'm not, not too sure in the States, but farmers get pretty much a raw deal in the UK, um, especially from the supermarkets and things. They, mm-hmm. uh, get, you know, uh, they don't get what their crop or whatever is worth so that they... The likes of your Walmart can charge really, really cheap prices.
4: Yeah, yeah. that happens here too.
2: But yeah, it, it it makes me think when I see these commercials, you know, um, how cheap something is. And I think, well, if it's that cheap, how much of that is the farmer getting, you know? Yeah. I and mean, he's not getting a, a fair deal. But yeah, I can understand what you're saying there because she could have made some
4: pretty good money out of that. Yeah, just like... Charge admission five pounds, something, you know, whatever. I just, why not just turn that into that instead of, no, this is my property, get off.
2: I mean, she could have even worked in conjunction with the BBC, and I'm sure they would have, uh, yeah. they wouldn't have minded.
4: I mean, I doubt it would have become part of, you know, English heritage, but <laughs> 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 at least do something with uh, whatever. No, she just wanted to be, just get off my lamb. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, young whippersnappers? <laughs>
2: No, if if you're over here, Adri, you you know what accent you've got to do that in. Get off my uh, land. Get off my land. Get off my land. Yeah, uh, back to Richard Voges there with old Farmer Piles. Farmer Piles. Farmer Piles here. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Laura LaRue here. Whenever I'm in the podosphere, there's only one place to be, the garbage pod.
0: Hello there, garbage podophiles. Gareth Jones from Gareth Jones on Speed here.
3: My name is Dr. Ryan Kobrick, and I'm the executive director of the Yuri's Night global executive team. Rock the podosphere and
1: rock the planet.
4: My name is Kate Arkless-Gray, but many people know me as Space Kate. Hey,
1: Mark. uh, Welcome to NASA Edge. Yeah, it's good to be on the garbage pod. This This is is the garbage garbage pod, pod.
2: pod. There's a guy on British TV, uh, not so much. Well, yes, he is. He does a, a show, which you have in in America, called um, Deal or No Deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the guy who hosts it here is a guy called Noel Edmonds. And he used to be a, a radio DJ in the 70s and 80s. And he used to have a... A radio show where on a Sunday morning um, he used to phone people and pretend to be whoever as a prank. Um, Usually friends of of the certain person involved had written and said, you know, this guy's too big for his boots. Can you phone him up and make a fool of him? (laughs) Basically. So, um I've got a couple of these pranks and um, I'm going to play the first one in and see what you think of this. These chaps had
1: wound this Australian guy up over such a long period that Charles the fella really did believe that the haggis was a small hog-like animal about a foot long that the Scots hunt and that to actually go on a haggis shoot is a tremendous honour. And they've been doing this for months to this fellow Charles, building it up so that he's hoping, before he returns to Australia, that he will have the honour of going on a haggis shoot. And he recognises it could be very difficult to get a licence and that altogether he has to wear the right stuff and be extremely respectful. So that is coming in a little while. In fact, he's coming right after this. This was the call. Hello? Hello? Good morning. Could I speak to Charles Deans, please? Thank uh, you. Good morning. Uh, my name is Patterson. Um, I have been sent a letter by Magnus McFarlane on your behalf. Are you aware of uh, the existence of Mr. McFarlane?
0: <laughs> I'm aware of him, yeah.
1: You are? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm president of the Stirlingshire Haggis Sporting Association, and he said that you would be interested possibly in taking part in one of our shoots.
0: Yeah, I am. I am. I think we're all, we all are.
1: Have you, uh, done much, uh, shooting?
0: Afraid not. Uh, I mean, I haven't been in Scotland for very long, so I haven't had an opportunity to do... Oh, you mean shooting as in general shooting?
1: Yes, uh, yes. No, I haven't, no. Uh, what sort of shooting? I mean, uh, obviously we, c- we can't have someone coming on on one of our shoots who, who knows nothing about guns. Uh, how much of a novice are you? Ah,
0: well, um, I have done shooting, but I, I... You know, only at targets and that sort of thing. I used to sell guns uh, in a shop, so I have a theoretical knowledge of their uh, workings and that sort
1: of thing. Do, do I detect from your accent that that you're not from these shores? I'm what? You're you're not from th- this part of the world. I think you'd be right in assuming that I'm Australian. Are you? I'm oh, yep. splendid. Yeah. Well, we haven't had uh, a foreigner on one of our shoots. Uh, that w- that will be splendid. Uh, how much has Mr. McFarlane told you about the association and what happens on the shoot?
0: Well, no- nothing at all, actually. Uh, so you know, it's all news to me. I haven't heard anything.
1: Uh, w- are you aware about clothes and that sort of thing? Uh, no. We're we're, we're pretty. Uh, pretty tough on clothes uh, traditional garments are, are normally worn because uh, it's uh, pretty rough territory out there mm-hmm. uh, have you got a deer stalker and, and boots oh yeah and... I've
0: got a deer stalker
1: alright you've actually got one <laughs> are you serious
0: yeah yeah no you... look I've got one we, uh, we went out a couple of weeks ago and uh, I was forced into buying one so
1: terrific yeah. Jolly good. Mm-hmm. The idea, uh, you would be with a couple of other novices uh, who hadn't actually been on a haggis shoot before, mm-hmm. and uh, we blood the, the, the haggis, you know, you have to, uh, it's just a little ritual, dip your fingers in the blood, rub it on your forehead, that sort of thing, um, if you haven't actually shot anything before, you're going you're to have an absolute mind of a problem trying to get the little thing, aren't you? Mm. Uh, there aren't many of them around, I wonder if the thing we've got to do really is get together beforehand and, and get you shooting at a few dummy ones. <laughs> Sorry, that's
0: oh, yeah, right right dummy but haggis yeah.
1: did I say something wrong
0: uh, no no nothing actually yeah uh, <coughs> mm. why continue did you, Yeah.
1: why did you find that amusing
0: um i mean i uh, I actually heard that haggis were uh low flying birds which uh move with a, a a great speed, and uh to shoot dummies, I really wouldn't imagine that uh be very effective
1: well mm. i <laughs> They do certainly fly low, and they do... uh, Actually, I've never seen one fly. What do you mean, they fly? Are we both talking about the same uh, thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, we are, actually, but... I hope you're not having me on, Mr. Deans. I hope this is not some sort of joke. I mean, we do take this very seriously.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. Now, actually, look, uh, I have heard a couple of conflicting views. Uh, One is that uh, the haggis is a, a small member of the pig family... Yes. ...that looks a little like a bird, and the other is that... It's actually a low-flying bird that looks a little like a pig. So, a bit of know.
1: each. <sighs> Sorry. A bit of each. It's a bit of each, yeah. It's a bit of each.
0: But in any case, it moves very fast. So they right. you know, shooting at dummies. Well, I don't know when. Don't,
1: don't, don't you have them in? Uh, where do you say you come from, Canada?
0: <laughs> Australia.
1: Australia. Don't you have them
0: there? No, haggis. No, God, we've got kangaroos and wallabies, and that sort of thing. You shoot them? We do, but I haven't shot any. No. Mm.
1: Well, I think you might find this one a bit of a tricky, tricky bird. Um, when, when are you available for the first shoot of the, of the season? Oh, when does the season start? I'm available. Uh, it starts on March the 24th. We call it the Glorious 24th. Glorious 24th.
0: Yeah, terrific. That'd uh, be great.
1: You, you'd you be free then?
0: I uh, I think so, yeah. I don't <laughs> think I've got anything planned on that weekend. I, I'm sorry I didn't catch the name of the association. What was that? <laughs> not
1: surprised you didn't. I don't believe this.
0: Um, oh, God, I don't believe it either. I think uh, I think you're that guy from the radio, aren't you? <laughs> you're not, not going to bloody put this on, are you? Because it's not on the radio at the moment. I think we're listening to your station. You, you can't... Look, don't put this on.
1: <laughs> Why not?
0: Oh, jeez. Now look, I'd be too
1: embarrassed. <laughs> that, you, I thought you were having me on. I mean, you... Did you... Did you really think that there was... <laughs> you can't have done. No, I... Actually,
0: for, for a start, I didn't believe the accent. I thought, oh, my God, this pompous... Well,
1: like, you know, that, uh... Yeah, but, I mean, do you really think the haggis is an animal?
0: Oh, I do, actually. I've been convinced that it is. <laughs> I think
1: that's marvellous, Charles. That really...
0: Oh, jeez. You mean it's not? Look, so many people have told me that there is actually a haggis shoot and all the rest of it.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you're having me on.
0: Ah, no. oh, jeez. Now, now you, look, you can't put this on, because if anyone knew that the an Australian thought there was actually a haggis animal, I think they'd all be disgusted in me. Oh, God. <laughs> Gullible as anything.
1: I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And the tape went on a bit, and Charles gave me permission to uh, to play that. You're, a, you're an ace sport, Charles. Thank you very much indeed for the playing along. I'm still not 100% sure that you weren't really having me on.
2: So, what do we reckon to that?
4: <laughs> wow.
2: Mind you, there, there, there are people out there that really <laughs> do think that the haggis is an animal.
4: <laughs> you know, haggis isn't even allowed in the United States, and I know that it's not an animal. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Craziness.
2: <laughs> Some of these prank, wow. pranks that he used to do were absolutely fabulous.
4: That's a different show.
2: Yeah, a completely different show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've got another one here. And uh, this dates back, as I say, the 70s, 80s. Back in the day, we didn't have different telecom companies. Everything was done by the post office. Telephones were done by the GPO, the general post office. And that was before everything went privatized. And then you had uh, all the different telecom companies that you have today. Um, So this one was... uh, well it speaks for itself really morning can i speak to mrs
1: wendy tuck please
5: <coughs> oh excuse me i'm um, speaking
1: uh, morning it's uh, post office engineers here i understand you've been having problems with your phone and a dialer disc you're getting music
5: oh god blimey hang on i'm not awake yet oh sorry what the dickens is the time
1: pardon 20
5: to 10 i've overslept i'm um, sorry what did you say
1: you're having problems with your um, your phone. You're getting music down your phone, I believe.
5: In, well, no. Well, I haven't got it now. I've got men talking.
1: you got what? <laughs> Sorry?
5: I tried to make a phone call Friday. Oh, God, when was it? Friday night? Yeah. And I got two men chatting away about football.
1: All right. Um, so I'm
5: not getting the music quite so often.
1: Right. Well, we're working on uh, on that part of the exchange this morning. Um, can you... Can
5: That's you... Malcolm, isn't it? What? That's Malcolm.
1: My name's Brian. Oh, sorry. Oh,
5: all right, sorry.
1: <laughs> um, can you avoid using the phone for about the next 20 minutes or so, because we'll be working on it. Yeah, okay. Um, the point is, it mustn't be used, because we're, we're working in the area that if it's used, someone will get an electric shock, right? So... Pardon? We've got to be very careful. we we'll are get an electric shock if you use your phone. So can you avoid using it for 20 minutes, and I think we'll probably be able to sort the problem. All right? I'll ring you back in about 25 minutes or so. But, yeah, okay. But don't use the phone, please.
5: Electric shock?
1: We, we get an electric shock if you pick the phone up. All right.
5: Oh, okay, then. I'll ring
1: you back when we cleared it.
5: Right. thanks so much. Bye. Bye.
1: Okay, so I've told her that I'll be ringing her back in about 20, 25 minutes. But obviously the idea is I ring her back within about five minutes. Now, will she pick up the phone? Just love that. <laughs> the way she just threw the telephone down. Well, <laughs> I've obviously now got to call her back.
5: Hello? Mrs. Tuck. Yeah, are you all right?
1: Oh. I d- I did ask Mrs. Tuck not to pick it up.
5: Violet, right, right.
1: Oh, dear, are you all right? Well, it gave me a bit of a fright.
5: Oh, Was it you that screamed? Yeah,
1: lucky I've got rubber boots on. <laughs> well, I don't think it's that funny. I did ask, didn't I? <laughs> it's not easy. I mean, you wouldn't like be working on a Sunday morning.
5: Well, I, I'm surprised you are working Sundays, because when I rang them up last weekend, they said you don't work um, Saturdays
1: or Sundays. Maybe not on installations, but on engineering at the exchange we do. I had the screwdriver in one hole and my finger in the other, and you completed the circuit. (laughs) I'm glad you find it funny, love. Anyway. Sorry. Well, I've just
5: got to take a lithium because you frightened
1: me. Well, all right, look. Have you sorted it out? Well, does it sound any better?
5: No, I've got a crackle on it now.
1: Not surprised. You've probably got blood on it. You seem to take this... Very lightly, you could you could really have done me a mischief there.
5: Well, you're all intact, don't you? What? You're all intact.
1: Well, my hands are shaking a bit. So
5: is mine. <laughs> Look, uh. No, the thing is, am I going to be charged for this dialer disc? You know, every time I pick up the
1: phone. No, you won't be. I might charge you for the shock you give me, but you won't be charged for the dialer disc. Oh. Look here, um. Hopefully, the the tweak in the work I've just done has worked. I can't even write my own shaking it. <laughs> um, so is mine. Look, you make a note of of my num my my name and number. Yeah, hang
5: on, then I've got a piece of paper. And oh. then
1: and then if there's any further problem, I'll deal with it.
5: Okay, so I won't be getting Rob Stewart and Meatloaf again.
1: You'll be getting the electric light orchestra if you give me another <laughs> shock.
5: That's all right. I
1: like them. All right. Are you ready? Yes. You got a pen?
5: Yeah, but I a 100,
1: don't I? No, no, no. Make a note of my name first, otherwise you'll get somebody else, right?
5: Oh, okay then.
1: I'm Noel Edmonds from Radio One.
5: You're joking. No, I'm not. I've been made a fool of. Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Oh, gosh, now I am shaking. <laughs>
2: Dialer disc. Um, Adri probably doesn't know what that is either.
3: Um, well, I do remember the old dialer phones where you used to have to kind of use the finger to dial the numbers round.
2: But... No, no, no. Dialer so, yeah. disc. It was. You could phone a number and listen to the top 40 on the phone for a price.
3: Oh, <laughs> uh, right, okay. <laughs> then, no, I don't remember that.
2: <laughs> Quite expensive, too, if I remember rightly
3: probably was it was like the old
2: national call rate or something no yeah. doubt yeah but yeah it, it, it was awesome at doing some of these pranks uh, there was another one that he did where um, a guy wanted to get into um, pigeon racing and uh, he said uh, this guy made out he was from the, the pigeon racing association and he said um, I, I think you might be interested in a couple of uh, new pigeons that we have on the market um, there's um uh, I can't remember. One of them was called a speed turn, I think it was called. It was a cross between a pigeon and a some kind of Scandinavian turn. Um, and the other one, which was the one that made me laugh, was called the racer keep, which was a cross between a pigeon and a parakeet. <laughs> and the idea of it was is that when it was flying to wherever, if it got lost, it could ask for directions. <laughs> And this guy well, was believing it.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: But, yeah, I love this kind of stuff. Um, what I originally wanted to do was to find some of the uh, uh, silly um, emergency services calls. Because, uh, as you know, Adri, I love love those. <laughs> we've, yeah. had, we've had them on the show before. But I couldn't find any in, in the short amount of time that I needed to. So I thought I'd put these up instead. I mean, obviously, you you know of the, these kind of calls as well, John. In, um, we've had a couple from the States where um, somebody's called 911 for something really stupid.
4: We've had those.
2: Uh, one of them I have come across recently uh, was a woman who um, phoned up 999 uh, for the reason that somebody had stolen her snowman. <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> and the the woman on the uh, emergency services she, she said, Are you talking about a real snowman or an ornamental uh snowman? She goes, No, real one. Um and the reason why it got missing because the snow had melted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and no, another guy called the police because he said he'd been Uh, I can't remember the words he used now, but basically, you you know how uh, pizza companies usually say, right, uh, we'll have it delivered in half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. So he called the police because they hadn't delivered the pizza on time.
0: Mm.
4: Wow.
3: (laughs) You've got to love humanity.
4: I do remember back many, many years ago, I worked at McDonald's, and uh, I remember the manager just shaking her head after one call because somebody went through the drive-thru. And by the time he got home, his fries were cold, and he was angry about that. And she said, well, how far away do you live? And he said, 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, comedian George Carlin. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, good, good. He had a line that said, Think of how stupid the average person is, then realise that half the people are stupider than that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how how these people function sometimes.
4: And what's worse is that they breed.
2: Mm. that is the, <laughs> the worrying thing. And the problem is with that is they... From the areas that they come from, they probably interbreed as well.
3: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This show's just taken a turn. You went there. (laughs) Yep.
2: I'm not saying what what areas, but we have areas in the UK a bit like that too.
4: (laughs) Oh, we have areas half of the United States that are like that
2: (laughs) Spamhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire we specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs whether it be field recordings Fox Pops or capturing the atmosphere during social events editing is a very time consuming job so Spamhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound and we will do the rest we can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. I think we've pretty much covered most things that we wanted to tonight. I think we've had quite a fun-packed show. Thanks again, John, for coming on board.
4: Yes, thank you for the invite. You just can't get enough of me, can you? (laughs) Andrew, good to meet you for the first time. Absolutely, John. The pleasure was all mine, sir.
2: Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Visit www.thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode of The Garbage Pod or TGP Extra. Just look for the relevant tab in the menu. Let us know what you think of the show.
1: Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com
2: because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the website, which include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes the RSS feed, TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to review us and give us a five-star rating. You can also listen to rebroadcasts of all our shows on the Awake Radio Group. You can find a link on our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages and don't forget to spread the word about us. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you all again
4: soon. The Garbage Pod is a Spamhead production.